0: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for For the the most die-hard Georgia Georgia fans in the country. country. Here are your hosts,
1: Tyler and Charlie.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler and back with me today, also fresh off the trip to Tuscaloosa, is my coach Charlie and Charlie correct me if I'm wrong? I think I have this right, but that was also your first trip to Tuscaloosa, right?
1: For a football game, yes.
0: So you've been there before, yes, just not for a football game, correct? Okay, all right, fair enough. What did you make? What in the world were you doing in Tuscaloosa when it was not a football game? Why would you possibly be there?
1: Just went for a visit. Do
0: you know someone there? Yep, okay, fair enough. All right, that makes a little more sense, but. First year for a football game, what did you make of the trip and the town overall?
1: It was a nice place for a college town.
0: Where would, where would it rank in your list of college towns? You've been to most of them in the SEC. Like, What is it comparable to?
1: It's really pretty.
0: The campus was gorgeous. I have to give them that. It was an absolutely gorgeous campus and if you care about that kind of thing.
1: It's a nice place for like a weekend. Maybe like Lexington. I wouldn't want to live there because it doesn't seem to have like a... Like neighborhoods like Athens does it's like normal like town, a boulevard. College or shopping marts.
0: Suburbs. Yeah. Which is cool. A lot of people love that but thing, that's but that's fine. just not you or me.
1: Yeah. I prefer a nice little pocket of a neighborhood.
0: And granted place. we are spoiled because Athens is like that and it's the yes. greatest college town ever. So there's Probably that like
1: Kentucky. Like Lexington maybe a little bit, but not as Big of a metropolis
0: yeah i like it i liked it more than Lexington because lexington does kind of have that not, it's not a huge city but it kind of has that metropolitan feel in a way more so than, than tuscaloosa did i was pleasantly surprised i wasn't sure what to expect i'd heard mixed reviews on it but there were more bars and restaurants than i had anticipated so that was a nice reprieve there and also i was kind of concerned that it would all be like college students old people like me and you mashed together in one but they were kind of separated to a degree the strip is its own thing, which is like their college part of town, and then there's a, a little further down from the strip was kind of where the old people like you and me hang out. So I liked it; it was fun until what about ten fifteen or so, Charlie? Like I said on the on the recap yeah. show, then it wasn't so <laughs> fun. How was um, your walk back to the to your hotel? Was it as entertaining as mine?
1: Well, it could have been worse if it was like a regular game. Full environment yeah that,
0: that was the scary thing it's like this was not even like remotely it a was capacity. Bad, it was, it was c- coming through the strip was kind of like drunk ooh,
1: college kids which happens i that i'm not even sure they could tell you like the score or even oh, who not. their quarterback is but they no. knew that they won and they oh, were like, very happy. and it's
0: hilarious that like they feel like they're like dissing you like f you do like you're like i i'm laughing at you right now you're not making like they want to make you so angry you're just like no i'm i'm laughing right now it certainly wasn't the worst like experience walking back to a hotel after a loss on the road like south carolina years ago
1: that was you were bad. there with me on that for that was a trip. Bad experience. That was
0: the worst. Yeah. What Was that the 2000? 2000... That in
1: Florida. That was 2012.
0: Was I think it was the 2012 loss where we got blown out there and walking back. And that was that was Florida at yeah, Jacksonville after a loss. You have to walk back past all the tailgating people and their insanity. That that's uh, that's not fun. It's a lot more fun when you win that game when they're just kind of well they're not quiet but they're certainly not talking trash. But it was you know it was a fun trip overall until again like. <laughs> about 10, 15, 30 at night, and then it wasn't so fun. But anyway, Charlie is here to help me with our week five mailbag. We were supposed to play Kentucky this week, but as most of you know by now, that game in our original bye week got flipped due to some game cancellations and outbreaks at other SEC programs. So this is actually our bye week mailbag episode. Like always, we've had a ton of great questions to get into, But I do want to throw this out there before we open things up. After Saturday, clearly the quarterback position is once again the hot topic. And there there are just a multitude of questions that were sent in about Stetson Bennett specifically and then the quarterback position in general, all with pretty much the same general theme. So what we're going to do, we're actually not going to include those questions on this episode. So if you send in a question about a quarterback topic today... It's not going to be on this episode because what I'm doing is I'm planning on trying to fit in a full episode exclusively focused on Kirby Smart and the quarterback position, the past, present, and future of that position under Kirby Smart, and I'm going to try to get that in later this week. In that episode, we'll touch on everything people want to know about the quarterbacks, everything that you guys are sending questions about the quarterback position everything that you guys ask. So I just want to throw that out there so that nobody feels like we are doing you wrong by ignoring your question. That's certainly never our intention. I'm just going to do an entire episode. There's so much interest around that position right now. And honestly, a little bit of intrigue as well with what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm going to try to touch on that a little bit later on this week and do a full episode on that. So just wanted to throw that out there. But all right, Charlie, with that little caveat out of the way, I'll hand over the reins to you. What do you got for me?
1: All right. We have 10 questions today and Gary will kick it off. He asks if it is possible that the loss to Bama was actually a good thing for Georgia. I would say yes. You would say yes? I mean, I don't like it, but it's probably... When is losing a good thing? It checks you.
0: It checks you, yes, but you've also lost a game and your margin for error now is reduced dramatically.
1: Right, but like you have said... Like we talked about, as long as we beat Florida, we'll meet them again in December. As long as we keep, you know, knocking everybody else off like we should, then it will be okay.
0: Yes, but there is also a scenario where if we beat Alabama and let's say we do lose to Florida and that means we don't end up winning the East with the state of college football this year. If, we only, if that's the only game we lose and one of those wins is over Alabama then there's still a good chance that we could have found our way in the college playoff anyway. Now, if we lose to Florida, we're probably out of that conversation. The margin for error is just reduced. But I do get what you're saying, Charlie. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, Gary. It, it, it makes sense. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, the idea that it's a wake-up call, it gets the player's attention, it serves as motivation, kind of guards against the possibility of contentment, and guys just feeling like they've made it. I, I do understand that, and like I do subscribe to that notion to at least some small degree. And and I, I, I will also admit this. I do think in a rematch of relatively evenly matched teams, because it doesn't matter. If the rematch is between like Georgia and Vanderbilt, like let's let's say we some for some reason, I, that would never happen. But or let's say Georgia and Arkansas, right? Let's say that if we played Arkansas in the, in the SEC championship again, that's not going to happen. But if we got a rematch with them, they got a rematch with us. You know what? The result's probably going to be something pretty similar. Actually, we might even beat them worse because the talent gap is just so wide between those two those two teams. But in a rematch of relatively evenly matched teams from a talent perspective, which I think Georgia and Alabama are, I know the final score might not indicate that, but look look at what we were able to do for pretty much three quarters in that game, guys. The talent level, outside of a few spots, it's, it's not all that different. In fact, I, I still would argue that overall, we have more talent, just not maybe in the most important spots on offense. But if you're looking at that, like the team that lost the first matchup, typically has like a slight advantage in the rematch because they're the ones who lost. They have to make adjustments because what they did the first time, it didn't work. It wasn't good enough. So that means it's tougher for the team that won the first matchup, in this case it would be Alabama, to predict what those adjustments that we would make might end up being. I think it would make us tougher to prepare for. Whereas the the team that won that first matchup, again Alabama, like Bama's probably not going to change all that much from a game plan and scheme standpoint, if we did get fortunate enough to get a rematch in the title game, because why would they? What they did worked, right? They won the game by 17 points. You just don't expect the team that won the first matchup to make all that many adjustments because what they did worked. So I think it makes it easier to prepare for them in that second matchup. So we would have any, e- basically what I'm saying here is, yeah, I agree, Charlie. We would have an easier time preparing for Bama, and I think we would be tougher to prepare for. But like, how much of a difference does that make? I don't know. There's two really good coaching staffs. I think that game that, that we just lost to Alabama really came down to execution more than anything. And I think if we did play them again, it would also come down to execution more than anything. So I do understand that argument. I do. I get it. And, and I'm not going to say it doesn't give us maybe a slight edge in a potential rematch. But again, like, like I said a second ago, losing that game also drastically reduces our margin for error. This year is a little different. I, I, so it's not a normal year. So the the, the Big Ten's going to start their season this, this week, the Pac-12 in a couple of weeks. But I'm not convinced that even Ohio State, as good as they're probably going to be, I'm not convinced they're going to be able to get in because they don't have as many data points. They're not playing as many games. If they happen to, to get a game canceled, because the Big Ten and the Pac-12, their protocols are very, very strict. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to get all their games in. And they have no bye weeks built in. So Who knows? Maybe this is the year, even if we do lose two games, if those games are to Florida and Alabama, maybe we do find a way to sneak in that number four spot. Highly unlikely, because that would probably mean there's going to be three SEC teams, but the Big 12 right now is not looking so great. We'll see what happens with Ohio State and Oregon. I think probably the the only two contenders from the Big 10 and Pac-12 respectively. But look, I mean, two losses, it's still going to be tough. Even in this odd, weird COVID ravaged year, it's still going to be very, very difficult. So I don't know, just like when you reduce your margin for error that much, like, obvi- like to win the East, we were always going to have to beat Florida. But like there is a world where if we had beaten Alabama and we lose to Florida, even though we might not win the East, there's still a chance for us to get in the college football playoff. If you lose two games, that just becomes so much more difficult. I mean, in, in fact, it's unprecedented in the college football playoff era. Maybe it could happen, but right now it has not happened. And I just don't know if I would want to hold my breath hoping that the committee would give us the benefit of the doubt in this season. So, I don't know. I, I would probably lean towards it's probably not a great thing. I get the argument why it might be good for us. And I, I, maybe I subscribe to it a little bit. But all in all, I'm going to say no. Losing is never really a great thing.
1: Okay. Next up, sticking with the Bama game, Alexander asks, do you think we should have run the ball more? He goes on and states that we were having great success gashing them with the run game and knowing his limitations, it seems like a bizarre choice to have Bennett throw the ball 40 times. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, 100%, man. A 1,000%, a million percent. Yeah, we absolutely should have run the ball more than we did in the second half. And we were getting movement. I I laid this out and mentioned this on the recap show, but I'll say it again. We got movement up front. Our offensive line, I don't want to say was dominating the Alabama defensive front, but we were certainly being very productive running the football when we did run it. Zamir White was averaging 5.7 yards a carry. Milton averaged 7.3. And Kenny McIntosh and two carries averaged six yards per carry, but they only had 18 carries combined, and most of those came in the first half. That's just not good enough. I will, however, defend Munkin by saying like when your wide receivers are getting separation all night long, and you've done a great job scheming them open like he did with motion and formations, and you like your matchups, which I told you guys coming into that game, I liked our matchups and clearly so did Todd Munkin. When when all that's the case, it's really tough to not call those plays because those plays were there for the taking. Now saying that, you also can argue that you have to also account for the fact that you have a quarterback with some serious limitations. And you also have to look at that game in particular when you get in the second half, that Stetson was not seeing the field particularly well. He was locking onto receivers. We've seen that from him in spots in, in, in the first three games, but not nearly to the degree that we saw it against Alabama on Saturday night. But I mean, again, to defend Todd Munkin, Stetson has shown the ability to make those reads and make those throws. He just didn't do enough of it in that game against Alabama. And I don't know what to make of that. We saw him do some things far more often from a negative standpoint, than what we'd seen from him the first two games. not saying he was perfect against Arkansas and Auburn and Tennessee. He made some mistakes in those games. He just made a lot more of them. The mistakes we saw in isolated spots in those first three games, we saw a lot more of them against Alabama where he's missing open receivers. He's not seeing them. He's forcing the ball into really tight windows in contested throws that obviously he got away with a couple times early in the year. He did not get away with them against Alabama. He got away with with one or two horrible decisions, but a couple of them, he did not get away with them. And that's ultimately, I mean, he was not the only reason we lost that game, but Stetson Bennett's play was certainly a major contributing factor. So I think you can make the argument that even though guys are getting open, you're scheming them open, you like the matchups, your quarterback just wasn't He wasn't having his A game. He did not bring his A game. He wasn't playing well. He wasn't seeing the field well. So maybe you should have compensated for that by running the football a little bit bit more, especially when we were having as much success as we were. I do think that one thing that I, I would say that I would criticize our offensive staff here, maybe just our staff in general, I think we panicked a little bit once Bama took the lead and we felt like we had to match them. I went back and looked up each play that we ran after Alabama took the lead in the late in the third quarter. We ran the ball 3 times. 3 times out of 17 plays after Alabama took a 27-24 lead with 4 minutes to go in the third quarter. And two of those drives resulted in interceptions. That's not good enough. I'm not saying if we would have run the ball 5 or 6 more times that we definitely would have won the game, but I do think it would have helped us out and I don't think that we would have lost by 17 points. If that was the case. So, yeah, I absolutely think we should have run the ball more. And I think that Todd Monk, when he looks back at this game and does some self scouting, some self evaluation, I think that he's going to realize that. And going back to that that first question hey, is losing to Bama maybe a good thing? Well, maybe, and this is maybe one of those arguments that maybe it was a good thing. Not only will it get the players' attention, but it also gets the coaches' attention. They realize they got to go back to not necessarily the drawing board completely, but they've got to evaluate themselves a little bit more critically and hopefully make some corrections themselves. And I think. Hopefully, that's one thing that we'll see from Todd Munkin moving forward if we're having that kind of success from the football. And Charlie, before we move on to our next question, I do just want to quickly remind everyone about our friends at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college football, the World Series, there's no shortage of games to watch with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, you can do what I do and put a couple in on a parlay for a bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, I was in Tuscaloosa last weekend at a sports bar for the game guys and I was watching games that normally I wouldn't have really any rooting interest in and I was going crazy about them because I bundled a couple of them that I felt really good about. Some of the picks that I told you guys about on our pick show last week and put them together in a parlay and I actually hit it. I had a 14 parlay and hit it on Saturday. So my bookie was good to me last weekend and it can be good to you guys as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. All you got to do is sign up at my bookie today and when you do use our promo code overtime to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand large it's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of help and just a little bit of a head start on your winning season again that's promo code overtime for you to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at myBookie.
1: okay next up aaron asks if we manage to win the east and get another shot at bama in the sec championship game What adjustments will we need to make in order to actually overcome the Bama bump?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to what Alexander just asked. I think run the ball more. Their personnel up front is not changing. Alabama has who they have right now in that defensive front six, front seven. And we ran the ball on Saturday, and we can do it again. In fact, I expect our offensive line to improve. I think our offensive line has a lot more potential for growth than at Alabama defensive front seven, especially with all the new guys we have and them continuing to gel. Some of those guys that haven't played a ton like Warren McClendon, Justin Schaefer, those guys getting more comfortable. Jamari Sawyer as well getting more comfortable and better at their positions. I think that we have more potential for growth. So if we were able to run the ball with a lot of success against them on Saturday on the road in a neutral site with our offensive line with a lot more experience and a lot more, uh, ability to gel together and kind of become more cohesive as a unit, I think we could potentially even have more success running the football against Alabama if we were able to get a rematch against them in a neutral site in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I think running the football more absolutely is something that I I would incorporate into the game plan if we were able to get another matchup. Clearly, I know I I told you I wasn't going to talk much about quarterback play, so I won't mention this too much, but we also just need better quarterback play. If Stetson Bennett can learn and grow from the mistakes he made in this game, because let's not forget, guys, he's still, I know he's not a young guy, but he's a very inexperienced quarterback at this level. So if he can learn and grow from those mistakes, and he made a lot of them in that game against Alabama, then I think he can get the job done. I've seen enough from him to think, yeah, we can we can win with him. It's just a very, very thin margin for error. He cannot make those kind of mistakes. If he makes those kind of mistakes again in every match and he's our quarterback, then we're not going to beat him. Um, but if he doesn't learn and grow from those kind of mistakes, then we do need to explore other options at quarterback. Because other than the batted balls, like it, here's what I, w- I would say. I mean, let me explain that a little bit more. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail with the quarterback stuff. I'm going to hold that as much as I can for later on this week. But other than the batted balls, what we saw on Saturday wasn't really about Stetson Bennett's physical limitations. Like, that's not what hurt him in that game. Yeah, the batted balls, that was because he was short. And and that was because of physical limitations. There's nothing the guy can do about that. And, And those hurt us. But I think there are other things he did that hurt us even more. I think it was more so about his decision making and the reads to me. That's what he hurt us with. Guys were open and he was forcing balls into contested areas when there were guys that were wide open. He wasn't going through his reads, he wasn't going through his progressions the way he needed to. And that's alarming to me because his supposed strength in those areas is why he is out there. And if he isn't doing those things at a high level, I really question why we aren't exploring other options and I question do we even have other options at this point because if he's doing those kind of things I don't know why you would keep running him out there because that's what he's supposed to be good at that's what he's supposed to bring you if he's not bringing you that combined with his physical limitations like is he really our best option because if that's the case then man we we might be in some trouble might be in some trouble there
1: all right next up Trey says or asks What is correctable and what issues or problems will we have to work on for the rest of the season? Specifically scheme and personnel options.
0: It's a great question. I think this is a really important question. And it's kind of related to what Aaron just asked here. But I I will say this, Trey. I think all the issues from Saturday are fixable. They're all fixable. To me, and we talked about this on the recap show, I'll just reiterate it again. It was more about execution than anything else. They just flat out out execute us. They didn't drop balls like we did. They didn't miss open wide receivers like we did. They didn't throw terrible interceptions like we did. They didn't get away from what was working offensively like we did at times in the second half when Alabama came back and took that three-point lead and then expanded it from there. They didn't hold or interfere with our wide receivers in critical moments like we did, although certainly at least one of those was an absolutely bogus pass interference call that resulted in a touchdown as opposed to a field goal, but they didn't do those things. A lot of those holds and interferences were legitimate calls, and they didn't do that uh, the quarterback situation, it's a—it's somewhat of a mystery to me right now, but again, going to try to explore that more in another episode later this week where I can focus exclusively on that one topic. Uh, another thing that I might want to work on here, and again, kind of going back, I knew this question was coming up, so these questions from Aaron and Trey, they're kind of interchangeable here. Another thing that I might do differently, another adjustment I might make is to use the running back more in the passing game. Also, roll Stetson Bennett out of the pocket. If Stetson Bennett is going to continue to be our quarterback moving forward, we can't have him just sit there in the pocket and try to throw the ball to the middle of the field because the the book is out, guys. Teams know what he wants to do. They know where he's comfortable, and that's throwing the ball to the middle of the field. And you saw what Alabama did, and we're gonna see a lot more of that the rest of the year. They're gonna sit there and they're just gonna put their hands up, read his eyes, and just bat those balls down because the guy's five foot ten. That's going to happen. You got six foot three, six foot four, six foot five defensive lineman, and a five-ten quarterback. Yeah, they're gonna time that and they're gonna bat those balls down. Some are gonna result in interceptions, some are gonna be situations where you have a, an easy first down, a big play opportunity there, and that play doesn't happen because Stetson's too short. So what are we going to do to counter that? Well, we're going to have to move the pocket. We're going to have to roll Stetson out of the pocket a little bit more. Now, that creates its own issues because teams can adjust to that as well, but we cannot just let him sit there in the pocket all game long and have those balls batted down because that, that's going to continue to happen. Um, and look, Bama is really talented on offense, and they put a lot of stress on any defense. They have enough playmakers that one of those guys is going to be in one-on-one coverage if you, if you play man, and, and that's what we hang our hat on. So if you want to correct some of these issues and maybe make some adjustments – I think if we play them again or in even just teams in the future maybe we if we have a, if we play anybody that has anything close to that level of talent offensively like florida especially the skill position we w- might want to mix in more zone looks but that opens up the catch and run part of the game as well and it seemed like alabama like that's what they did to ole miss ole miss's game plan when they played them a couple weeks ago was to come out and force them to go the length of the field don't give them those big plays in, in man coverage So Ole Miss played almost exclusively zoned in that game, and Alabama just took what Ole Miss was given. They took those crossing routes, and they just had huge plays that were catch after the run instead of those big, you know, explosive 50-yard bombs down the field. But the the result was still the same, and and Alabama ended up going for a record number of yards in that game against Ole Miss. Uh, But look, like, Alabama's tough. Like, they're really tough. Um, But look, defensively, we just need to find a way to get a few stops like we did in the first half. Like those first 10 possessions, like I laid out in the recap show, we forced those that, that team to punt. That offense, that elite offense, we forced them to punt on four consecutive possessions in the first half. I don't know if there's another defense in America that's going to be able to do that to Alabama. The defense did a job in the first half. They just got worn down and they gave up too many big plays in the second half. But if we can just get a few stops like we did in the first half, maybe force another turnover or two, then I, I think that we can be in position to win this game. It's just, again, it's just about execution. We almost had an interception that Devontae Smith took away from Tyreek Stevenson on a drive that ended up being a scoring drive in that game. We just got to win that, we got to win that ball. We got to win some of the 50-50 balls, those kind of things. And and we also need to figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback, whether it's Mac Jones or whoever it is, we've got to find a way to get more pressure on the quarterback with a four-man rush. We We do a really good job of that. When we get teams to third and long, we can bring our dying package in. We do some really exotic things. We've gone over that many times in this show but on standard downs, first and second down, we've got to figure out a way to generate more pressure on the quarterback. And right now, I don't know if we have the personnel to do, to do that. I don't know. Maybe we need to explore putting Adam Anderson on the field a little bit more in some of those situations because he is a, he's a dynamic pass rusher. The guy only had three snaps in that game. That's one thing that's got to change. That guy's our most dynamic pass rusher by far, right now, and he only got—I think it was three snaps against Alabama. That's not enough. And I know Jermaine Johnson came back, and he was—he was playing this game, so he ate, he ate into Anderson's snaps. But the way Anderson's playing, and our inability to get pressure on the quarterback with a four-man rush, I think we need to at least explore the idea of putting him out there a little bit more in some of the standard-out situations. I know he's undersized. I know that opens you up to the run. But if we don't—if we don't affect the quarterback, especially if we ever—if we get a rematch with Alabama. Or let's say Florida as well. Like if we play in Florida and we let Tras sit back there all day, free to make whatever throw he wants to make, then he's good enough to carve us up with Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, those kind of guys. So we've got to find a way to get pressure with four-man rushes on standard downs. If not, then I don't know if we're going to win the games that we need to win to get back into into contention for a college playoff spot.
1: All right. Next up, our good friend Cliff wrote in that Bama won the line of scrimmage similarly to what happened at Auburn back in 2017. That was a cold, brutal night.
0: That was a terrible night. Like one of the worst football experiences ever. It was
1: cold. It was it was windy. So windy. And we just It got felt like it was like
0: minus twenty-five degrees.
1: And we just got our butts handed to us. Yeah. So he wants to know. Or how UGA will respond because the rematch with Auburn in the SEC championship was totally different and we shut them down from the get go. So how will UGA respond if we meet Alabama again at Mercedes Benz in December?
0: Yes, it'll still be in December. December 19 is what it's are for right now. I think we will respond well. Like this, this is kind of something I laid out on the recap show. Like this is not new territory for us. This is three years running now. We're going into the bye week. We either get blown out or lose a game that we had no business losing to. We got blown out by LSU two years ago. We lost at home to a terrible South Carolina team last year, a team that had ended up with a losing record. And I got technically, I guess, a 17-point loss is a blowout loss. I don't feel like we got blown out in that game. That I don't think that final score is indicative of actually what transpired throughout that entire game. But this is not a new story. We've seen this before, where we lose going to the bye week. We go into the bye week. We have a lot of time to reflect on things. We're angry. We're mad. And we want to try to make amends for that. We come out swinging after the bye week. And I expect that to be the case again. Kirby Smart's a master motivator. Our guys, are they have a lot of pride. They want to win. They want to be good. And I fully expect us to respond the right way. I actually wish we were still playing Florida out of the bye week because that would be a, a really great game to come out swinging with. Now, I expect us to come out swinging against, against Kentucky and do it the, the next week against Florida as well. But I do think that we will respond well coming out of this bye week. I would slightly disagree here, though, and I would, like, I, I love you, Cliff. I do, man. I just, I don't think that Bama won the line of scrimmage definitively in this game. I actually think we won the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. I think our offensive line maybe didn't dominate the Alabama defensive front, but I think we more than held our own, and actually will give us the edge against that Bama defensive front. I'll give us the edge against that front again if we were able to get a rematch. Now in the second, now on the other side of the ball, the defensive front. I don't think our defensive front played as well as they had in previous games, but I thought they were more than fine in the first half. I just thought in the second half we got worn down. And guys, that I told you coming to the game on the preview show, that Tennessee offensive line they were overrated. So Alabama offensive line is not overrated. I think it's the best offensive line that we'll face all year, and so that certainly has something to do with. it, And they're big, strong, physical, and so when you get worn down in the second half then that becomes a little bit of an issue, especially like like the linebackers as well, the inside linebackers. We were we rotated some, but Monty Rice didn't play as much as he normally does because he's nursing a foot injury. We'd heard the rumors before before the game that he might not play at all, but he ended up gutting it out. So kudos to to Monty for gutting that one out. But Quay Walker and Niko Dean had to play a lot more snaps than they're used to because Monty just couldn't go a full game. He just couldn't play it. I mean, He he did everything he possibly could, but you could tell he was not 100%. So I think that certainly impacted this as well. But I, I think our offensive line won the matchup with the Bama defensive front, and I would say that their offensive line probably had a slight advantage and, and took that matchup was, with our defensive front, which you know is going to hurt the pride of our defensive front, and they're going to come out if we are able to get a rematch and try to make amends for that. But I just don't know if they, if Bama just completely, definitively won the line of scrimmage in that game. I think maybe on the off, on their off with their offensive line versus our defensive front, which shouldn't happen. But I think our offensive line held their own.
1: All right, Jamie wants you to talk about the running backs. He asks, is it time we get Milton more touches?
0: I think so, yes. And we've started to see more of that the past couple weeks. I, I I am ready to say this right now. I, I wasn't ready to say it a week ago. I think I am now. And this is not a knock on Zamir White. I love Zamir White. I wish this guy the absolute best. I still think he's a guy that's going to get carries for us and should get carries for us. But right now, I think that Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are our two best pure running backs. I really like what we're able to do with James Cook out of the backfield. I think he deserves some carries as well. I thought he ran the ball well when he got a few opportunities. He just did not get a ton of touches as an actual running back. But I think right now, in terms of just running the football, I think Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are the best two options at this point. Zeus is a really good player, and I think he has a role in this team. He's, he's the most physical of all of our backs. He's the one that I trust more to get those tough yards in between the tackles than probably anyone but at the same time, he has shown zero ability to be explosive in any way. I'm not saying he cannot do it. I just have not seen evidence of it right now. He's just not seen the holes consistently well enough, and he's he has improved his lateral agility. He's gotten closer to where he was pre-injury, but I just don't think he moves as well laterally as Kendall Milton or Kenny McIntosh. I mean, Milton does concern me in pass protection at times, like any true freshman running back does. And you just don't want to become predictable when he is in the game where teams are like, oh yeah, they don't trust him in pass pro, So they're going to run the football when he's in the game. You don't want to become that predictable. So he needs to continue to improve in that part of his game, like all freshman running backs. But Kenny McIntosh, he's the guy. If healthy, and I think he got dinged up. We haven't heard anything definitive on that because it's a bye week. So we didn't, have, we didn't have the Monday press conference, but if he's healthy, He's the guy right now that I like as our number one back. I think he's the most explosive of our backs outside of James Cook. I think he has excellent lateral agility, great vision, great balance. I also think he has some underrated receiving ability. He also runs hard, maybe not as hard and as physical as Zamir White, but I I don't think he's too far off. I think he runs really hard, and we know how hard Kendall Milton runs. This guy's just bouncing off people. He's also showcased some really great lateral agility, which we talked about when he was coming out of high school. That's one of the biggest, bigger part of his games. There's a lot of consternation with him coming out of high school, like, oh my gosh, he was timed at a, a 4-7 at one of these camps. Oh my God, is he really a guy that we, sh- that we should be taking? Like, is he going to be an elite running back? And look, guys, elite home run speed, that's great. What's far more important in a running back, in my opinion, is lateral ability and acceleration. He does both those very, very well. And we saw that against against Alabama. He had a nice big run right at the gut. You saw the acceleration. We've seen the lateral agility. He's, he's got a little bit of make-you-miss ability, just like Kenny McIntosh. So right now, I think those two guys should be our top two running backs, with Zeus getting some carries in the red zone, short yard situations. But I, I don't know if we'll see that. Right now, I think Kirby trusts Zamir Wyatt a little bit more right now. I think Kirby and Dell McGee, the running back coach, just trust him a little bit more because he's been there longer. He's gotten more carries than these guys. But as the season goes on and these guys get a little bit more experience, it would not shock me. And actually, I would, I would rather these guys start to get more carries moving forward over Zamir White. And I got it. I hate, I feel horrible saying that because Zeus has worked so so hard he's had to overcome so much in his life but we we got to put the best guys out there and right now I just I think Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh give us a little bit more than what Zamir White's giving us right now from an explosive standpoint and we've got to find a way Charlie you and I were talking about this over the weekend before the game we've got to find a way to be more explosive in the running game and, I, and Zamir and White's just not giving us that right now and I think we have a better chance of that based on what I've seen and yes limited sample size but I think we have a better chance of that with Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton right now
1: So next up, Brent asks if our problem with losing to Bama is just a mental issue or Bama has a mental edge at this point. He says that we can say they're better at certain positions, but we've led every game and we just can't close it out.
0: I get where you're coming from, Brent. It really is hard to make sense of this fact that we have had three consecutive halftime leads since Alabama in the last three matchups, and we have blown each of them Late in the game, um, I get where you're coming from, but personally, I don't really buy it that Alabama just has a mental edge. Like, it's a mental block for us. I, I know that's a popular thing to say in media circles because it's tough to explain it when there's not really, like, when, it, when you can't really find like an X and O explanation, then you kind of just go to, you kind of revert back to that. Well, they just, it's, it's a mental edge Alabama has, it's a mental block Georgia has. They just can't get over the hump. And, and I get why people would say that because yeah, we, we have blown three halftime leads and the perception is nationally, whether it's true or not, the perception is that we have choked those games away, but I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I don't think our guys got tight in this game. I don't think they were intimidated or anything like that, that would indicate that they choked the game. away. To me, choking the game is something like that, where you get tight, you get nervous, you get intimidated and you just, you wet the bed. I don't think that's what happened. I think it was simply a lack of execution. We just did not execute as well as they did. And that makes sense, guys, because their offense is a well-oiled machine. Our offense, as we've been saying all year, is a work in progress. It's not shocking to me that they were executing offensively at a much higher level than we were. We executed at times. And we, like I said on the recap show, we moved the ball well. When we execute, we do really good things. We're a good offense when we execute. We just have so many young guys and new players. And oh yeah, again, a quarterback who was fifth string about a month ago. It, it, it's tough to expect us to be executing at the level of Alabama right now. And I think that's what this game came down to. It, it, against them in 2017, they were way more talented than us in that matchup in the national title game, in that season. They, they just had way more talent. We weren't there from a talent standpoint yet. It was honestly a miracle that we had the lead on them that we did going to halftime. 2018, I think they, I think they still had the talent edge. We closed it a little bit. But I think they still have the talent edge. And our defense, guys, just remember, it just wasn't good enough in 2018. And yeah, we made some mistakes late in that game. That Alabama defense was much better in 2018 than what it is this year. This year, though, it was just, to me, again, just about execution, primarily on the part of the quarterback but not just him. Also in our defense, the backfield and our wide receivers at times as well, we just have to execute better. And if we get a, a chance to play them again, if we execute better, even with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, then I think we can beat them because that defense has holes. That defense is not still, I will maintain that it is not a very good defense. They're fine, but they're they're not great. And we were able to move the ball when we were executing. So if we just execute, I know it's easy to say that, but if we can just do that consistently then we can beat them with the same team that we had on Saturday, even with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I think we might have a better chance if we have someone else, and that brings a little more dynamic option to the game. But even with Stetson, if we execute, I think we can beat them.
1: All right. Only a few questions left. Next up, Christopher asks, do you expect anyone to lose their starting position before the Kentucky game? Should we see anyone starting... That hasn't been starting yet.
0: Well, I said I was gonna hold the conversation about the quarterbacks till later in the week, and I'm still gonna do that, but yeah, I look I, I I'll start with the quarterback position. I'm not saying definitively that Stetson Bennett is going to lose his job. I don't know that for a fact. I, I honestly don't even know if the coaches are thinking about that but I hope they are. I hope the coaches are at least exploring options at the quarterback position right now and opening up that competition during the bye week. And if Stetson, if they open up the competition and they still think Stetson is our best option, at least our best healthy option, because we don't know what's going on with JT Daniels right now behind the scenes, but if that's the case, then I guess we got to roll with it. But we need to give other guys a look, a serious look, open up that competition during the bye week, kind of like we did after the LSU loss going to the bye week in 2018 where allegedly we opened up the competition again between Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, and Fromm was able to hold him off yet again. and came out. He came out swinging and had a great game against Florida. It really was on fire. He was in fuego the rest of the way in 2018. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, I, I but I would at least explore that option and open up that quarterback competition going into the bye week and, and see who's going to emerge from that competition because you have two weeks basically, at least a full week there to have that competition open and then a week to get ready for Kentucky. But I would certainly open that up. And then depending on the health of Kenny McIntosh, as we said a couple questions ago, I think Zeus's hold on that number one running back spot might be in danger I don't know what's going on with Kenny McIntosh hopefully we'll get an answer here at some point this week when we get a chance when the beat writers get a chance to talk to Kirby I'm hopeful that someone will ask him about Kenny McIntosh and why he didn't really play in the second half but if if he continues to if he's healthy and continues to play like he has if Kendall Milton continues to come on and improve in pass pro like Zeus's hold on that number one running back spot might be a little tenuous right now I'm, again I'm not saying for sure we can't guarantee that but certainly something to watch and Tyreek Stevenson on defense The guy is uber talented. I think he's more talented. I know he's more talented physically than what Mark Webb is, but he's having some issues in man coverage right now, and it wasn't just this game. Now, obviously, Alabama's going to give a lot of people issues in man coverage. They gave all of our DBs issues, but this is something that we've seen from Tyree Stevenson really all year long at this point, but the option that you have behind him is Mark Webb, and Mark Webb, who was our starter last year at Star, has had some of those same issues. So that is a concern for me, that position right there, Tyreek Stevenson or Mark Webb in the slot covering in man coverage. We've just had issues there for about a year and a half now. And I, again, I, Tyreek Stevenson, I would say, like if we had another option behind him, maybe if Devon Wilson was still on the team, maybe he would get more of a look. I don't know. But we've got to find a way to improve there. And that's another competition between Stevenson and Webb. I mean, I, honestly, I think that's a competition every week in practice. So I don't know who's going to come out and be the starter at star against Kentucky. I'd still probably put my money on Stevenson. But I think we need to at least give Webb another look because Stevenson right now is just, he's not consistently getting the job done in man coverage.
1: All right, next up, Stubborn Things wants to know how you feel about Munken's play calling now that we are through four games.
0: I love what he's doing. I really, really do. I I, I know I criticized him a little bit earlier because I do feel like we got away from the run a little too much once Bama came back and took the lead. I feel like maybe we panicked a little bit. felt like we had to match them. But again, it's tough to not call those plays, to be fair to Munkin, it's tough to not call those plays when they've been there all night, when you've schemed receivers open all night long. But at the same time, you have to take into account how Stetson Bennett was playing and the fact that he just wasn't seeing the field very well. So a very slight criticism there, but overall, I love what we're doing offensively. I think he's doing an outstanding job considering what he's working with. Uh, and the guy that was supposed to be a starting quarterback opted out just a couple of weeks before the season. And again, we're working with a quarterback right now who was our fifth-string quarterback uh, about a month ago. So you, you factor that in. You got a true freshman wide receiver who started every single game for you. You've got a true freshman tight end who's played a lot for you, started the first game, and still playing a lot for you. We've got some new pieces on the offensive line. We've got uh, a running back situation where Zamir White is, is playing well. He's not playing terribly, but he hasn't been dominant. And so we've got some young guys there getting carries as well. So we just have um, an, a very interesting situation offensively right now where we have a lot of guys trying to learn and grow on the job. No screen practice. All things considered, I think he's done a really good job. I think he's done a great job scheming guys open in the passing game, using formations, using motion to do that. We've, we've really detailed that a couple of times throughout the season already. I also like what we're doing in the run game. I, I think his his run blocking schemes in conjunction with what, with what Matt Lucas brought to the table is he's certainly involved in that as well. I liked him a lot more than what we saw from... James Coy last year, which relied almost exclusively on a zone running scheme. We're seeing some pin and pull stuff that we hadn't seen in a while, which I love. We're seeing some of that iso type stuff. We're seeing some split zone action. We're a lot more diverse in our running game than what we were last year. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're having a good amount of success around the football. And I wish we would do it maybe a little bit more moving forward, especially when we're having that kind of success in a game of that magnitude.
1: All right one more question sam asks how do you think the restructuring of Jordan and florida's schedule will impact the sec east race
0: yeah so i'm not exactly happy about this at all i was not happy about it when i got the news on friday night at dinner i was not thrilled about that at all losing our bye week before florida through no fault of our own that sucks that that really sucks Look, like I get that Florida also has a game that week, the week before they play us in Jacksonville, but the fact is they get two of the three weeks before we play them in Jacksonville off, while we only get one of those three weeks off, and the two games we play in that span are both on the road, which further impacts preparation time, and the game, the one game they play of, these, of this three-week span is against Missouri at home. So uh, it certainly gives them an advantage. I think they're going to be the far more rested team in Jacksonville, and the team that had far more time to focus on preparing for our game against them. But it's the hand we've been dealt. We cannot do anything about it. It's just what can happen in the era of COVID. Whining about it will not do any good. I know that's kind of what I'm doing here. I know it's not going to do any good. But it doesn't mean that we, that it doesn't suck, because it does. It sucks, and it doesn't mean that I won't say that it sucks, because yes, again, it does. It sucks. That's all you got for me. Actually, Charlie, I had one more question that just came in to our email address. This is from Robert Downs. Appreciate it, Robert. Do you mind if I ask this question, Charlie? I want to steal your thunder here. We just got this question in here. So at least I just saw the question. Robert asked, do you think Dwan Mathis enters the transfer portal soon? I thought it was strange. He didn't get any mop-up duty versus Tennessee, and he appeared motionless in mop-up duty versus Auburn, and then he didn't even warm up or stay loose at the Bama game. Yeah, Robert. Oh uh, man, I hope not. I think the guy is talented. I think he has a high ceiling. He's certainly still growing, but I, man, I I wouldn't put it past him. That's kind of what quarterbacks are doing, right? Like this day and age, if they don't win the job right away, they think someone else has won the job, then they transfer out because they want to play, right? Because only one quarterback can play at a time. And you got JT Daniels. So I don't know if he's healthy right now or not. We'll talk about that a little bit later on this week, but he'll probably be on the roster next year. JT Daniels will. You've got brought Vandegrift, highly rated guy, coming in next year as well. Carson Beck still in the picture. So I wouldn't be shocked if Dwan Mathis, especially how he got pulled pretty quickly in that Arkansas game with a short leash. You don't know if he kind of resents that. You just don't know what's going on. Now Everything Kirby has said is that Dwan has handled it like a champ and, and just come out and, and handled it the right way and continues to work. And you would expect that because from everything I've ever heard about the guy, he's a fantastic young man. You would expect that. But I also wouldn't be shocked at the same time if he did end up transferring. I hope not because I am not I am not ready to give up on Dwight Mathis. I'm not even ready to give up on, up on him this year. I know he had a really bad first half against Arkansas. But if you go back and watch that game, like we detailed after that game, like, yeah, he made some mistakes and he was kind of like a deer in the headlight at times, especially after he got lit up by Bumper Pool in that sideline. But, I mean, that was his first collegiate action. You can't expect the guy to be lights out. And there was a reason why we chose him to be the starter coming out of preseason camp. And I, I would certainly not be against entertaining the idea that he's worth giving another shot this season if Stetson Bennett continues to make some of the poor decisions that we saw him make against Alabama. Again, I would open up the quarterback competition and it, I would give Duan Mathis a, a legitimate chance to prove that he has learned from that Arkansas situation and has continued to work and improve. And if, if that's the case, then I would at least try to work him in potentially into the game a little bit more than, than what he has, which has basically been in, in nothing but mop up duty. And you're right; he got mop up duty against Auburn, but nothing against Tennessee. And I was at the game on Saturday. Charlie, you were as well. Did you see Duane Mathis warming up at all? No. Like we saw, it was J T. Daniels throwing he with just Stetson. Just he was chilling. It was J T. It was Daniels and Stetson Bennett throwing back and forth, as Curtis mentioned on, on the recap show. And that's that was the, the case all game long. And I don't I, again, I don't know like, if we're reading too much into that. Like, I don't know exactly what that means but it was certainly interesting As usually you do see the number one, number two quarterbacks kind of throw in there. You see all quarterbacks trying to get some passes thrown there on the sideline, but you just didn't see Mathis do really any of that. I didn't see him really throw a pass outside of like pregame warms on the field. But again, don't know what that means, but just it was odd. It was different. It was, it was strange for sure. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Appreciate each and every one of you that sent in questions. We love all you listeners, but thank you for all the interaction, guys. Hopefully, we were able to answer all the questions that you guys had that we were not able to cover on the recap show. We only, only had an hour to, to record that recap show, so definitely we, we weren't able to get everything we wanted in there. So hopefully, we were able to touch on all the things that we missed on this episode. If there's still something that we didn't get to that you want us to answer, and you didn't quite get a chance to get your question in, feel free to send those to us throughout this week, and we'll try to get to those questions at some point later on this week. But thanks for listening, guys. We do appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go,
1: dogs.